0: Atlassian.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I do have, as always, David Halman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Holling. The Cowboys now enter Week 14 with the division lead on the line after they won against Seattle on Thursday night, Amazon Prime's finest, and the Eagles lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Never thought I would have so much joy in my heart for the 49ers this year, but that's just one scenario where it was possible. It's the holiday season, so it's all about giving and you know being happy for other people. So that's good. We're going to shift to the Shaq Leonard news of you know that kind of came down today. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are the one that win the arms race for Shaq Leonard. He's signing with them on a one-year deal. Not really sure about the terms as of yet unless something came out and I just missed it. You guys can correct me on that. But, uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Is this something where it makes you a little upset that they they lost out on Leonard? Or is it something where it's like, you know what, if it worked out, great. If not, we'll move on because we have Bell and uh, Demon Clark as the linebackers.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm devastated by it, but it is a signing that I would have liked, especially with our lack of depth at the position. I mean, if an injury occurs to um, any of those players, God forbid – then um, we would be looking really thin at the position, um, but I don't think that that um, Leonard is as good as he was when he was an all-pro in those uh, three of his first four seasons. Um, I think that those injuries have taken a toll on him, and apparently he can't really move exactly the same. So I don't think we're missing out on like a Pro Bowl caliber player, but I would have liked the um, veteran experience and that depth to be able to come into play. And you know, I think it's a good pickup for the Eagles. I think that they needed it. Um, their defense has been uh, really poor recently, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, you yeah, know, um, I'm honestly, I- I'm a little upset, but I'm not devastated by any means. I think the Cowboys will be okay.
1: Howman, is this a situation for you where it's like, oh, man, he would have been awesome if he was here, but now that he's with the Eagles, he's not the same player anymore?
3: Yeah, if the Cowboys had signed him, then I would have started playing the parade already. But <laughs> now that he's chosen the Eagles, like, I didn't want him anyway. He's not that good. And You know, he's, he's not even, even going to suit up for all those games. They're going to cut him after, you know, he's so bad now. Um in all, in all seriousness, though, like, you know, I think uh, with Shaq with Leonard, the way that, you know, his career has gone the last couple of years, um, you know, he's, de- he's definitely not the same player that he was when he was a perennial All-Pro early in his career. There's been injury issues. There's been uh, issues fitting in with the scheme because, of course, there was a change from uh, Matt Eberflus, who's now the head coach for the Bears, still right now for you – know, unless something's changed since – uh, we started recording, um, but, uh, and then they changed to Gus Bradley, who's now the defensive coordinator there. And there were just some issues with the scheme fit there um, on top of the injury issues. And uh, so I, I think that, you know, th- this was, I really wasn't too caught up in, in the Shaq Leonard news of like, if they got him, it would be nice for depth purposes, but I would still be banging the drum for Marquis Bell to be getting more of the reps just because I think he's a better coverage defender even when Leonard was at his best, he was more of a run stopper than a coverage guy. Um, I right after the news broke that Leonard signed with the Eagles, I tweeted: Jake Ferguson is really hoping that he plays this week because mm-hmm. that's a situation where, with Ferguson having the kind of game he just had on Thursday night, and then going up against a linebacker who, you know, hasn't played in a lot little while, is adjusting to a new scheme, and already coverage isn't really his strong suit. Like, that's a situation where you know, Ferguson would be licking his chops. So I'm I'm not too broken up about it, but obviously it would have been nice to steal a free agent that the Eagles were also really interested in.
1: And even without Leonard in the lineup, like we'll see what happens if he does get acclimated enough with regards to suiting up on Sunday. He'll be in the building. He'll be in the building. Even if he's not on the field, he'll be on the sidelines for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I know last time that the Cowboys played the Eagles, Ferguson had a great day, regardless of who was there at linebacker. So I think your point is valid to that. Um, B1, you know, do the Cowboys need to go out and grab somebody else now? Like, is it a case where you still want them to have a little bit more depth at linebacker? I know um, Brian Broaddus was talking about on Twitter today of through The Fan and DallasCowboys.com Radio. Um, he said that he's hearing Anthony Barr might be a potential possibility. And that was just one name that kind of came up in conversation. Not anything solidified, but he's on the Vikings practice squad. So if they wanted to bring him in, they could poach him off the practice squad and bring him in uh, on the active roster. But is that a name that interests you at all? Or is it kind of just, eh, we have what we have. We'll see how it goes for the last few weeks, and then we'll go from there.
4: Yeah, I mean, I was very vocal last year about the lack of uh, quality play that Anthony Barr gave to the Cowboys last year anyways. So when you when you said the name Anthony Barr, yeah, I'm kind of like You Yeah, I'm good. Uh, we can we can keep what we have. You know, I like what we have right now. I know the depth is an issue, which obviously Shaq Leonard would have uh, solidified. But let's let's be honest. He's not the 2018 through 2021 Shaq Leonard. Like he's, you know, I hate to say it this way because you, know, you know, I I do have a lot of respect for him. You know, as a player, he's been a very talented guy. He's a classy guy from everything that we've seen recently with the Colts, where he still stayed cheered on his teammates even after he was uh, he was part they parted ways. So he's, you know, you could tell he's a good dude. He's a good he's a good locker room guy. He's he would have been great for these young these young linebackers. Like you know, like Marquise Bell for example. I mean, he you know he's you know he's transitioning to that position. I mean, he's doing a good job but it would have been cool to get Shaq Leonard to show him you know some tricks I mean a lot of these these veteran guys they they come in and then you know they may not have all the tools in the tool bag anymore because of injuries and whatnot and just getting eight, getting old um you know uh you know father time just uh, will catch up to the players eventually but their mental game is, is usually there for you know for the long haul so it would have been good from that perspective I figure I, I figured he would play with the Cowboys if they signed him You know, not. I don't think he would have taken all. You know, that many. You know, I don't think he would have taken the majority of snaps. I feel like they would have used him on situations because of his health. You know, he has the nerve issue. So, like to me, like at this point, if Anthony Barr is the only name that people are really talking about, like I'm good. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll live with Marquise Bell. You know, Clark. You know, I, you know, I mean, I'm happy with that. I mean, Evans as well. I mean, Evans, Evans to me in many ways reminds me of what Shaq Leonard is right now. Anyways, to be honest with you, because. Rashad Evans is not—he's uh, not known as a great, uh, a great uh, downfield, uh, you know, pass, you know, pass, you know, guy. You know, he's not good in the pass game. You know, that's that's his issue. He's not good in coverage. He's—and he, we saw he was—you know—he was there was a play against the Seahawks where, I mean, it was a bad—it was a bad play, but I don't think it's all on him. But let's never ever again have him cover Tyler Lockett in every any any situation. Like for I don't I, no, you you just don't do that. So obviously that was some sort of bust. But the point is, we have Rashawn Evans in here. You know, Rashawn Evans is, you know, he's he's still a good player. And I think Shaq Leonard at this stage in his career is he's a he's a first and second down guy. Like he's not going to be in there on third and third and long. He's just not. He's not a good coverage linebacker. It's just the way it is at these days. The nerve issues in his back. That's I mean, it's a real thing. I think if he can go forward and he can he can stay in the run game, I think he'll be fine. Um, but you know, given what the Cowboys have right now. You know, it, it sucks that he's he, he's going to the Eagles, which the Eagles are already pretty darn good last time I checked. So adding another great piece like him, it's going to be it, – it, it stings a little bit. But at the end of the day, I have faith in the guys that are already here in the locker room. So, again, I don't want Anthony Barr. No offense to him. I think he, his better days were, you know, way back in the rear view. So I think we should just ride the tide with what we have right now and just and let Dan Quinn, you know, play uh, play around with the pieces that we do have.
1: For what it's worth, you have the PFF grades right now uh, for Shaq Leonard within nine games. He's at a 60.3, and for Marquise Bell and Damone Clark, an 80.5 and a 69.1 respectively. So it, clearly there's a, a case to be made that the Cowboys already have better linebackers on their team. So that's always a good problem to have. Um, and I do think we've talked about it. I think the mentorship, the mentorship would have been great. Uh, for having Shaq Leonard on the team, especially when you have young guys in the building and even someone like a DeMarvian Overshone who's on IR, but he could be there, learn from a little bit, kind of learn what it is like to come back from an injury, um, something where you need to kind of get back into the swing of things. I think that always helps. So we'll see how it goes, but they do have a veteran guy already on the team, like you mentioned, B1 and Rashawn Evans. So, uh, And I think also the other thing to remember for everybody out there is remains to be seen we might not see Shaquille Leonard uh, on the field for the Eagles at all this year, just because maybe something happens where he's just not getting ready. Uh, Injuries, of course, play a factor into this. So you never know. Um, But of course, if he plays really well, then we can look back and assess from there. So let's just see how the situation plays out. But with that said, we're going to get into our game, kind of keeping with the Christmas theme, the holiday theme here. We're calling it sort of like a matchup, naughty and nice list. I don't like saying a matchup is naughty or bad or whatever. So we're just going to do bad and good. I think that's just the best way to do it. Uh, So the Cowboys have entered their toughest stretch of the season, of course, starting in round one, beating the Seattle Seahawks. But we have a perfect number right now between the four of us and with the four toughest opponents remaining on the schedule where it's against the Eagles this weekend coming up, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions after that. So each of us will be responsible for talking about one of these teams with one good thing and one bad thing about them, sort of like, the again, the good and the bad list of Santa Claus Um, so in this situation good means bad and bad means good so if this opponent let's just say the Dolphins do something really well it will play in a negative factor against the Cowboys if they do something bad it'll play in positive for the Cowboys so just keep that in mind when we're saying a lot of these things but I'm sure all of these guys will explain things and we're going to start with Chris because we're going to go in order of the games that are going to be played so of course with the Eagles coming to town this weekend I turn it over to you so what's the one good and the one bad that you found about the Eagles? (laughs)
2: you <laughs> So I'm gonna go with the one good first, and I know that this is kind of the obvious, and it may be considered low hanging fruit, but it's just what's really sets them apart from the rest of the league right now. And they are fantastic on fourth down, and I think that that's something that uh, really hurt the Cowboys in their first matchup. In the first matchup, you know they used their famous tush push play on on three of the four touchdown drives against the Cowboys. So I mean, if you can just stop them from getting in those situations, you're forcing a potential turnover on downs, you're forcing a punt. It changes the whole game, and you know. Um, throughout this season, there's 73.68% um, on their conversion rate. And the next closest are the Vikings at 66.67. So there's a massive drop off from them in the rest of the league. And one thing that I did think was kind of interesting, though, is that They're 90.91% efficient at home, but they're only 50% efficient on the road. And so maybe that kind of plays into the Cowboys, you know, favor since, you know, um, they are coming to Dallas this time. And uh, the one thing that I think that um, they are really bad at that's uh, good for the Cowboys is recently their defense has been struggling. So uh, um, if you look at that – Week 9 matchup against the Cowboys, the Cowboys did put up 406 total yards, and they and they put up 333 passing yards. So they just weren't able to um, get things um, going in the um, red zone as much. But um, they did um, move the ball pretty well throughout that game. And then in uh, Week 11 against the Chiefs, they allowed 336 yards. But then it gets really rough recently. In Week 12 against the Bills, they gave up 505 total yards allowed, which is a ton and then um they also gave up 332 passing yards in week 13 this uh um this uh previous sunday they got demolished by the 49ers they allowed 456 yards 310 yards passing so this defense looks compromised right now um uh, um they have uh, um huge issues all over their field on the defensive side of the ball in terms of coverage their um linebacking play has been really really bad recently and, and and like that goes back to their um priority um uh, there um, a priority for um getting Shaq Leonard on their team and so yeah I think that their defense has been looking really not great recently and I think that, and I think that the Cowboys are just really flowing right now at a great time offensively I think that they are really in a rhythm Dak Prescott's playing MVP level football I think that it really lines up for a favorable matchup for the Cowboys um this upcoming Sunday
1: B1, when you look at the Eagles, and specifically like Chris talked about, the Week 13 matchup against the 49ers, I mean, the 49ers were able to put 42 points on them, very similar to what happened against the Cowboys. But when you're looking at the box score, of course, Christian McCaffrey had 93 yards rushing. Um, But then when it comes to receiving, of course, Debo Samuel had three touchdowns, one rushing, two receiving, but four receptions for 116 yards with an average of 29 yards per catch. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. But on top of that, you have Kittle going four for 68, and Ayuk going five for 46. So clearly there's a lot of problems in their secondary. I know there was a talk about how there's a lack of effort in tackling. And, of course, Darius Light went out on Twitter uh, to try and defend that. Um, and it's like there's there are some issues right now. Nick Sirianni wants to clean things up. So when you look at the Cowboys and how they match up, C.D. Lamb had a great game the last time that, that he played the Eagles – I think this is an opportunity for Brandon Cooks to get involved a lot more, especially since they started getting more involved in the offense and something that they can use to their advantage when facing this kind of plague secondary.
4: Yeah no absolutely I mean the Eagles secondary I mean let's be honest the, the, the San Francisco 49ers they have a very potent offense we all we know we've seen it and you know, they, they destroyed us you know a few weeks back so the Niners are a really good football team I was very pleased by the 42 to 19 victory that was a uh, you know that was a nice capper to the weekend uh, as you know we, we rolled in from Thursday's great win against the, the Seahawks and we you know we finished it off at least from the Cowboys perspective with a nice uh, a nice 42 to 19 victory uh, for the Niners and I can't believe I I'm actually saying this and I, and B1 or B2, you, you alluded to it earlier. It's like, you know, how you can, I can count on my hand how many times I've rooted for the Niners in my entire life, like really hard. And that was, that was the, one of those weeks. And yeah, I mean, the, and here's the other thing too. Like I, you know, when I'm looking at this game and I'm, you know, I, I, you know, scroll through the box score, the thing that really pops out to me is actually the running, the running game. But, I mean, I know the Niners are pretty darn good at that area on defense, but I mean, they held Jalen Hurts to 20 yards on seven carries. I mean, they just pretty much didn't run the ball. Like they had 18 total carries for 46 yards, 2.6 average. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to do the tush push, Philly, you know, the, the Philly shove, what you know, Burley shove thing. Like, but that's the that's the area where I think you know the, the Cowboys. That's a good thing for the Cowboys because the Cowboys rush defense has been you know as we know, and I've, I've said it on you know Twitter X. You know they're Swiss cheese, like you know at times on defense. So if the Eagles are going to continue struggling and on the in the run game, I'm good with it. They're I think obviously their focal point in their offense. Nick Sirianni's got those. He's got Hurts playing pretty pretty well as you know from a passing perspective. Threw for almost 300 yards against a really good Niners team. And the thing is, Devonte Smith and AJ Brown. I mean, that's going to be another another crazy matchup. Like that's I mean AJ Brown had eight catches, 114 yards and then Devonte Smith had 9 catches for 96 so they they both were just right around the 100 yard mark you know each and they both almost caught 10 balls apiece so like Obviously, that's the focal point in the in in the offense. So, so I, I think that matches up well with Deron Bland and, and Stefan Gilmore. So, I mean, if if they want to keep trying to throw the ball, that's fine because that gives Deron Bland more opportunities to make interception, and I, I feel like Stephon Gilmore is due as well. So, you know, from from that perspective, that's kind of where you know I, I I feel very confident in. And obviously Dak Prescott from our, you know, from the Cowboys offensive side, Dak Prescott's rolling right now. He's playing some of the best ball of his career. And the Eagles pass defense, like we've mentioned, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the stat line here. I mean, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy put up a good game. And he threw, so he completed 19 passes and he had 314 yards. That's a, it's a pretty good stat line. So you can, you know, Dak can do those dink and dunks that he's done, you know, in this, in this uh, Texas uh, coast offense. And it works because, all he has all Brock Purdy had to do was get the ball on guys like Debo Samuel's hand and you saw what Debo did and Debo kind of waved to the Philly fans there I saw the uh, on that big touchdown that kind of sealed the game there like that's you know i I want I want to see some of that from CD lamb and company this
1: weekend Howman Chris mentioned the fourth and one conversions, and we saw Jalen Hurts leave the game briefly for uh, entering concussion protocol. Of course, Um, he came back into the game and was able to play. But between the concussion issue and then now the knee problems that he's been dealing with all season, you think it's a situation where they're just going to say, you know what, we know it's a very effective play. But if it's at the cost of the health of our quarterback, maybe they're not going to do it as much anymore on fourth and one.
3: Uh, I mean, that would be nice for the Cowboys for sure, because they they have not figured out a way to stop that Tush push. Um, I, I don't know if that will be the case. Just just because I feel like uh, I feel like Philly is kind of in this in this mindset where they're gonna do whatever it takes to to beat the Cowboys. You know, Nick Sirianni loves this game and this matchup, um, and, and that's such a high percentage play for them. I mean, even when Hertz was out in that game and they brought in Marcus Mariota. And you know he he's not the he, I don't I mean I don't know I'm not in the gym with him but I don't think he squats as much as Jalen Hurts however much it is that they all talk about him squatting and he was still able to get the first down when they did the tush push with him in there so it, it's just you know it goes to show just how good that offensive line is just how well they have that play you know just practiced down to a science um, so I, I really I, I don't want to say that there's no hope for this Cowboys defense because you know they they are they already played them it was in Philly and they were able to get some stops here and there, but especially when it's you know fourth and short or even third and short, I just have a feeling they'll put Hertz in there, um, and they're gonna they're gonna find a way to get that tush push and and do it in a way that he's not gonna be put at risk or maybe they'll do what you know some teams in the past have done where like they'll bring in Mariota for those plays and you know they, they know they can do it with him so I really think that'll be a game where it's going to be probably another shootout type of game, um, which is kind of good that they just got practice playing in a situation like that. And um, you know, we we've talked about how their defense has been struggling a little bit. They they've kind of been struggling all year too. um, Although not as bad as they have been lately, but I just checked in, in, in week one, they gave up 20 points to the Patriots. That's the second most points the Patriots have scored in a game all year. Like they've been really, really bad on offense and they were able to have one of their best games offensively of the year against, against this Eagles team. Um, and I'll just throw out this nugget talking about their defense. This year they, they hired someone to a senior defensive assistant role uh, Name of Matt Patricia. You might remember him, former head coach of the Lions. Did not go well in Detroit. He also, of course, played a role in trading Darius Slay, who's now with the Eagles. There was a lot of fallout between them. Um, And also just to throw an extra bit in there from 2001 to 2003, he was actually a grad assistant at the great uh, prestigious Syracuse university. You better Uh, believe it. (laughs) But he, I think I'm wondering if maybe like his presence and and is just kind of like throwing off some of the vibes in that locker room, because this was a very good defense a year ago. And I know they lost some pieces and that's certainly been part of it too. But um, you know, with the, the bad blood that already existed between him and slay and, some of that drama kind of getting in the mix there and then, you know, dealing with the, the high expectations that they all had. I'm, I'm wondering if that might be a part of it too, just just beyond the actual on-the-field football play.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that's really important uh, for the Cowboys to prevent this is to get pressure on Hurts early and really have them play play behind the line of scrimmage because if they can just get them on those, you know, second and second and twelve, second and fifteen type situations, then it makes um that third down harder and then and then there'll be less yards to go to get that uh uh, for uh first down on fourth and short. So I think that it's just really key that the Cowboys don't let them get to these like third and short, fourth and short situations. And then you force Jalen hurts to be a pocket passer and then you get pressure on him. I think that that's just really the key to beating this Eagles team. If you just let them, you know, like um like get those good runs and then, you know, um get those uh, those um, third and short plays, fourth and short plays. And then, then um, you're in trouble. And I think that that's kind of where the Cowboys suffered from this um, p- um, pass matchup against the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what I took from that, Halman, from your point, and Chris, that was an awesome point, um, Halman, I took from you that Marcus Mariota is Taysom Hill for for the Eagles offense, that's that's what I kind of gathered from it, um, so you heard it here first, Howman, saying that Marcus, Marcus Mariota is Taysom Hill, um, and that's okay. exactly what he said.
3: <laughs> somebody's going to go pick him up in fantasy and then be mad when he doesn't run throw and catch a touchdown yeah
1: exactly so all right we got the eagles out of the way that that is this week coming up so that means next up we have the buffalo bills so b one uh we tasked that to your neck of the woods because you are a upstate new york resident so of course that's you know a lot about buffalo bills football so we figured you're the best one to talk about this what's the one good and the one bad that you found about the team
4: well before we get to that really quick I just want to give you guys some uh, some great facts about the weather on December 17th on average in Buffalo Chris get your uh, get your coat ready my friend I know you're gonna yeah. we're gonna be we're gonna be in Buffalo watching the game so we're gonna be hanging out <laughs> that week so by the by the way for BTB family the two out of the four of us are gonna be uh, uh, getting together for this game so hopefully hopefully we get a nice uh, nice weather day but yeah. on average the average high, is 37 degrees the average low is 25 degrees the chance of precipitation you know close to 61 percent oh here's the here's the good one for you chris uh because i know you're going to be sitting there uh, in the stands with me uh <laughs> chance of snow 40 percent so oh, I, i'm gonna you know the obvious answer here and, and living in living in upstate new york my entire existence you know for 34 years i uh, you know i've seen a few snowdrop uh, snow you know snowflakes over the years so uh you know in in and, you know, I don't, in last year on this date, it was actually 10 inches of snow. So I don't think we're getting that this year. So that's, that's, I think that's a positive, Chris. But that's, that's the low hanging fruit. So I'm going to go, I'm not going to talk weather because the Cowboys can play in all, all conditions the way they, the way they play offense. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. So the thing that I want to focus in on first, which is, I guess it's, it's a, I'm going to call it the nice part because it's, you know, it's a good thing for the Cowboys to exploit, is the, the, the Buffalo Bills uh, lack of rush defense. You know, looking at the metrics here, they give up 4.7 yards per rush, which is uh, they which is ranked 29th in the league, which is you know at the bottom of the league. So, what does that tell you? When the if the weather's really bad, give the ball to Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle. You know, let him. You know, let those boys run. Dak will probably have to scramble once in a while. You know, regardless of the weather, they got to hand the ball and get a heavy dose of the run game because if it's 4.7 yards a clip. We're getting first downs before you know every every just about every, you know, third down, you know, because we're gonna we're gonna be third in third and one or third and two, you know, on average if that if those numbers worked out the way that they that they possibly could. So that's that's a that's a promising situation there. And, you know, and, and for me, you know, I think this could be, this could be a Rico Dotto kind of game, you know, if it's going to be cold and everything and, you know, maybe the conditions possibly aren't going to be great. I don't think Pollard can, you know, his, the way he's elusive and, you know, he's, he's very, you know, I call him the jitterbug of the running back uh, room that might not work with the way the conditions could be. And Rico Dotto is more of a downhill, like I'm going to run you over, you know, style running back. That's the kind of running back you know, in growing up in this area, you know, you know, in, in upstate New York, you get a power back that just wants to go downhill. He's going to be more effective because when it's cold and I've played in it when I, you know, growing up and, you know, and growing up in, in the, you know, in this area, when you have somebody hitting you constantly and constantly, you don't want to get hit anymore. You're like, all right, I'm, you know, tackling's going to get really uh, tough at that point. So Rico Dotto could see a lot of touches in the game, you know, which could really help the the Cowboys. Now on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the coin, Ah, uh, there's there's this thing with the Buffalo Bills uh, that they're really good at, which is you know I I, could, I consider this my naughty portion of it. So the Bills are number one in the league in third down conversion rate with uh with nearly 50%. So they're at 49.68. A fun fact, a fun a fun aside: the Cowboys are number two. So they're you know the Cowboys are good on third down as well at 48.48%. But the the point is, the Bills when they get the third down. Half the time, you just flip a coin. They're gonna get the first down, just according to the numbers throughout you know throughout the season. Now, how does how does the Cowboys defend that? I mean, obviously, we'll see how the weather goes, because that's you know that's 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 the one animal that we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I think the you know the key is, and I think it's pretty obvious, the Cowboys defense needs to really be tough on first and second down, and and put the Bills behind the the eight ball and have third and third and longs. That is very important because, and when it's third and long. You want to bring Micah Parsons, you know, Tank Lawrence. You want to bring all those boys in and just, you know, let I call it the Lamborghini package because they're all our speedy pass rushing guys. So get our Lamborghini package in there and just go after Josh Allen. You also want to leave a QB spy. So I think, you know, you could also use a Marquise Bell in that situation because as we all know, Josh Allen is a pretty darn good runner when he gets when he gets moving. He's a big guy, hard to bring down. But, you know, I think, you know, you, you might want to keep a QB spy on him just in case. And uh, you know you can do that. And and here's the other thing about Josh Allen: if you get enough pressure on him, he's going to make mistakes. Everybody I know in this area that's a Buffalo Bills fan, that's what they complain about. It's feast or famine with him. Either he, you know, either he doesn't, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over at all, and you know they're just steady Eddie, or they're just games where he's he's almost giving the game away because he's just he's always the thing with Josh Allen that I have a lot of respect for. He's a gamer. He's going to give you everything he's got. But also sometimes I feel like Josh Allen does too much. And the Cowboys need to exploit that. And I think, you know, putting the pressure on him, you know, forcing him to make bad plays, which he's known to do, is going to be key. And just as, you know, as a side, as a side note, he's the he's the number he's ranked number two in the league in interceptions with 13. The only guy that's got more right now is Sam Howell. So, you know, right now, I think that's the key to getting, you know, to, to really taking care of business, you know, on December 17th in, in Buffalo is, you know, pin the ears back, make Josh Allen, you know, make mistakes. And that's the key because that's the catalyst of what the Cowboys have done this year. You've seen all these blowouts. This is what they do. You get blowouts because of this defense and they score points. They're making great plays. And then Dak and the boys don't have to work as hard because the defense is feasting. So that's the kind of game
0: that I expect the Cowboys to play uh, in two weeks. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom, help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, at Atlassian.com That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot Atlassian It's only a kick
2: A jump A block
0: It's only a serve It's only a tackle A run It's only for the fans After all, it's only pressure
1: You got this. Adidas. B1 mentioned Tony Pollard and sort of the, uh, you know, the success that he's had recently. But of course, when you're playing December football, it's a lot more uh, rough and tumble. You know, it's a lot more hard-nosed football, someone that fits sort of Rico Dattle's physique, I'm looking at Tony Pollard's stats over the years when it comes to the month of December. He hasn't really played that much when it comes to cold-weather games. Last year at Washington, it was uh, seven carries for 19 yards. He was inactive against the Titans, and that was sort of a cold-weather game. Um, So there wasn't really much to do. Last year in 2021, they went to Philadelphia at the end of the year. He was inactive for that game. The only game in December that year where they went to New York to face the Giants, it was 21-6. He had 12 carries for 74 yards, so that's pretty good, 6.17 yards a carry. And then, of course, in 2020, looking at it, you know, the Giants at the end of the year, 5 for 15. Uh, Then they went to Cincinnati in December, and that was 11 for 39. So when you look at Tony Pollard's numbers in the month of December, that has not been great. And they haven't really played much in the cold, so... When you're going up to Buffalo, talking about the weather conditions that that B1's mentioning, are you a little hesitant on maybe giving the majority of the carries to Tony Pollard, or have you seen enough recently where he's gaining positive momentum that you just want to keep that going a little bit more forward?
3: Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm hesitant about really anything with with that game in Buffalo just because of the the weather and and the conditions that it might be in. If if there's if there's like considerable snowfall. That's just not something that, that this team is used to. That's not something you can really easily prepare for when you're down in Dallas. Like, you know, with rain games, like there's a lot of ways to prepare for something like that. You can, you know, you can soak a ball in water or something like that, but there's really no way to prep for running on snow aside from just being in the snow. Um, so unless there's another snowmageddon coming to Dallas, knock on wood that it doesn't happen, they're going to have a hard time in preparing for that game. Um, and, you know, it's not just Tony Pollard being able to run in, in conditions where we haven't really seen a whole lot of, of a big sample size of how he does in that situation. You know, it's, I mean, Rico Dowdle kind of fits the the profile that you're looking for when you want to have that kind of game. But at the same time, like, this is really his first extended action playing as as a running back. Most of his time with the Cowboys has, you know, most of it is he's been hurt when he's been playing. He's been a special teamer. So, It's hard to say, like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll we'll lean on Rico Dowdle. Also, this is a pass-first offense, and and that's where they've had all their success. They've gotten better at running the ball the last few weeks, but a lot of that has been because the pass game has been so dangerous that it's opening up holes for the the run game. And it's hard to throw the ball when it's cold weather like that, especially when you're not used to it. The ball actually gets, like, harder. Like, it's harder to catch. It, like, hurts your fingers when it hits. Um, and Dak and throughout his history has not always been the best when he plays in those cold games. Um, so that's that's a little concerning, too, just in terms of, like, you know, what are, how are you going to actually, you know, navigate those waters? Um, I think that'll be really, really interesting just to see what Mike McCarthy does to adjust for that. Obviously, he knows a lot about playing in cold weather games, having coached in Green Bay for a very long time. So I really – I don't know what the answer is. I'm also, I was born and raised in the deserts of Arizona and and now I'm like freezing in the winter of Oklahoma. So I'm definitely not the person to ask about this. Um, I'm really curious to see, you know, what McCarthy comes up with for that game and how he tries to attack it, especially once we get a closer, uh, get closer to the date and have a better idea of what the weather will look like.
1: Chris, one of the things that we've seen that the Cowboys defense has struggled with over the years has been the mobile quarterback. And when you're looking at the upcoming schedule outside of Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, you have Tua Tonga-Vailoa and then, of course, Jared Goff. Same Howell, like the week 18 game I'm kind of not really thrown in there. I mean, he can run, too. But with Jalen Hurts, a little compromised, not really as fast because of the knee injury, as we've seen in the past. Really, Josh Allen is the last big test for the Cowboys. And if you think ahead, when you look at other matchups, maybe in the playoffs, um, not as many mobile guys outside of like a a Jalen Hurts. Um, But when you look at the AFC, you know, if the Cowboys do make it to the Super Bowl, you know, you have guys potentially being like a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson, guys who can run the football on their own. And the last time the Cowboys played the Buffalo Bills, I believe the last time was on Thanksgiving um, in 2019. Josh Allen had 10 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. So he's a guy that, like B1 talked about, you know, those third downs, third and short, maybe third and three, third and four. If the Cowboys spread out on defense, that leaves the middle very vulnerable. And Josh Allen is not afraid to run up the middle, maybe for three, four yards, get the first down, keep it going. So I think a lot of the conversion rate has has to do with that. Do you see him running a lot? You know, in this game, in this scenario, because again, the Cowboys have had a track history. They're not really defending them. Of course, that wasn't under Dan Quinn, but when it comes to mobile quarterbacks, they've struggled recently. So I'm just trying to figure out if that's going to be something that's going to be a problem too.
2: I definitely think that that's something to keep an eye on, especially to considering the fact that um, I think that that's a huge reason why they're number one in the league in third down conversion is because it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to defend an offense that has a mobile quarterback. And what makes it even more dangerous is that he's not just a mobile quarterback. He's a great arm talent while, while throwing on the run. He's a great pocket passer as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, Josh Allen is one of the more talented quarterbacks in the NFL. He's just had some, um, He's just had some turnover issues over his uh, past uh, couple of seasons, but yeah, no, I think that's something to look for, especially too when um when um we're talking about weather. Um, I think that in a game where the conditions could be harsh, I think that that um there is going to be a lot more running involved. Um, and um, Josh Allen is going to be tough to tackle when it's cold out there because, you know, I mean, like, he's a pretty big quarterback. I think he's about 6'5". So, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but I think that I think that the Cowboys should definitely scheme and be prepared for that. I think that you should be looking at having a QB spy on those third downs, maybe get a Donovan Wilson or a J. Ron Curse or even a Bell or someone, someone out there as a spy. I mean, like, honestly, if you wanted to, maybe even put Micah as a spy or, you know, because I think that he could keep up with him on the sideline to sideline. So I think that that's something that the um, Cowboys definitely have to look out for. And I think that that's one of the reasons why they're so good on third downs is because Josh Allen is able to use his legs as well as be a threat um, throwing the football.
1: Well, we were just talking about the coldest game of the year for the Cowboys, most likely, of course, depending on what happens uh, with the commanders at the end of the year. Um, but I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins in the next one because we know the love for the Detroit Lions uh, doesn't extend further than David Howman, David Howman in this situation. Um It really, I mean, the transition, talk about maybe getting the sniffles, a cold or whatever going from Buffalo to Miami. That's probably the biggest concern for me. Going to have to stock up on chicken noodle soup. In Dallas for that week. But really, I mean, we know what the good is for the Miami Dolphins and what they do. The one thing that scares me the most is like this might be the most explosive team in NFL history. Uh, They have a ton of track stars all across the board. Um, Looking at the last two weeks, the Dallas defense has given up 376 yards to the Commanders and 406 yards to the Seahawks. The Dolphins are averaging. 428.4 428.4 yards per game. That's absolutely absurd. Um, of course, the Commanders are a divisional opponent and could probably be close the majority of the time. Of course, there was a lot of garbage stats at the end. Um, but when you look at the Seahawks, like they have the makings of a playoff team. I know they're in wild card contention right now. And when you look at the weapons that they have on the outside, in a DK Metcalf, you know we mentioned Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I mean, it doesn't get any better or worse for the Cowboys than Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, where Mostert, Devon a. Chan is back. He scored two touchdowns against the Commanders on Sunday. And I just look at the struggles of late in the Cowboys secondary. We know Deron Bland was picked on against the Commanders and, of course, against the Seahawks in the first half. Um, and then we know that Stephon Gilmore, given his age, we know how talented he's been this year and over his career, but given his age, the speed isn't really in his game as much anymore. So if he's matched up with a Tyree kill, I don't see that really going well for him. And then on top of that, Hill is such a matchup nightmare. I know on one of the touchdowns he scored, I believe it was the second one or the first one um, against the commanders. He was matched up with somebody in the slot, against the slot corner, and he just burn him for the touchdown. And to me, that gives me flashes of what Jordan Lewis has struggled with a little bit. He's good in sort of like man-to-man in the hand po- in the hip pocket of wide receivers. But when it comes to Hill, it's like it's not even a chance for him to do that. So, I, I mean, and I look at the, the Seahawks game. You know, I want to ask you guys, who had the best coverage grade on, on defense, according to PFF? Can you can you tell me who it was?
2: Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just going to guess that it was Stephon Gilmore. I'm going to guess.
3: Are we saying just of so the, so the DBs or the whole defense? The whole defense.
2: Gilmore. Yeah, I'd go Gilmore too.
3: I feel like
1: it was uh, like Bella Clark. Uh, it was Dorrance Armstrong. Um, oh, with nice. a 69.8 <laughs> grade, and Gilmore had a 59.2, so that was the most among the corners and linebackers. And then the worst grade, of course, um, was Jaron Ron Curtis at 28.5. I feel like also the safeties have struggled a little bit as of late, and when I just look at the overall secondary for the Cowboys, they are a little bit older, and when you're trying to keep up with someone like a Tyreek Hill, you want to be a younger secondary. I think that's why we saw the Chiefs and the Eagles have a little bit more success in containing him um, just because they have a little bit more youth on their side Um, but if you're looking for the pass pass rush to help to get pressure on Tua to mitigate maybe these deep passes uh, the Dolphins have allowed just 18 sacks on the year the third lowest in the NFL so that might not work Uh, but the good thing and bad for the Dolphins that has sort of hurt them a little bit of late is the health of their defense has taken a hit we know that they lost Jalen Phillips uh, against the the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium with an Achilles injury. Um, And then they also recently on Sunday lost Jerome Baker, their starting linebacker, which looked like a pretty bad injury. I think it's an MCL sprain, which could keep him out a few weeks. So they're struggling a little bit with regards to their pass rush and their linebacking core. The only way I see them winning this game for the Cowboys is to do exactly what they did against the Seahawks. You mentioned it earlier, Howman, this sort of track meet to kind of keep up with the opposing offense from scoring. I see this game being a shootout. When they end up going to Miami, we see we know the weather will be somewhat decent, maybe 70s in Florida, which is cold for them, but you know for for UB one that's like that's perfect summer weather majestic um, weather yeah exactly so i just i also look at the Vic vandy Vic fangio defense it gave dallas trouble in 2021 um so a familiar opponent there he might have something schemed up to go against dak prescott but dak has been great against zone coverage ever since week seven since the bye so i think that there's a lot of things that could play in favor for dallas to have success on the Dow Dal- uh the dolphins defense um i think that maybe injuries might play a factor to them having a little bit more success you mentioned um be one that their success rate on third down is pretty high I also noted that too but the Dolphins are 29th in red zone percentage allowing teams to score on 66.7 percent of their attempts we know the Cowboys were struggling but they're going up they're at 17th right now with 53.7 so I just look at when the Cowboys get in the red zone they have to score the Dolphins defense will allow that at least that's what the stats show so I think it's gonna be a shootout I'll turn it to you, uh Halman first. You know, the threat of Tyree Kill and the speed of this offense. Like, do you see any possibility of the Cowboys defense keeping up this team?
3: Well, first things first is you got to put Dorrance Armstrong on him all game. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. yeah. that that's what I mean, that's what the numbers would show, right?
3: Lockdown yeah. down. Yeah, PFF recommends it. Um, no, I mean there there's no way to stop Tyreek Hill. There's no way to shut him down. And even if you do. There's a guy named Jalen Waddell that's also pretty good. They have speedsters all over this all over this roster, and it's just, uh, I mean, it's incredible the, the talent that they've amassed and the way that it fits into the scheme that Mike McDaniel runs there. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because, like, you watch Kyle Shanahan's offense with the 49ers, and, like, they're just really creative in how they get guys open. They don't necessarily have, like, speed demons. Not that Debo Samuel isn't fast, but he's not Tyreek Hill um and then Mike McDaniel you know comes from that San Francisco offense goes to Miami and he's like just give me all the fastest guys you can find and we're just, we're just going to we're just going to beat everyone with speed and he's doing it and it's wor- working really well so i mean when you watch the dolphins this year though there have been some games where the offense has been you know kind of knocked off their rhythm a bit and i mean they they scored only 20 against the Raiders a couple weeks ago um the Chiefs limited them to 14 uh, the Jets were doing fairly well against them. Um, they scored later in the game, but the Jets defense generally did well against them, all things considered. Um, so there is there, there are some things out there on film that you can look to, to to see, like, here's the best way to beat them. But it really does come down to execution. And that's been this Cowboys defense's biggest issue as of late is guys just making mistakes in coverage, Um, you know, the the D.K. Metcalf huge touchdown run in in, in the very beginning of the game. Um, You know, Deron Blaine is kind of running underneath to kind of, you know, pick it off, undercut the route. Donovan Wilson comes, you know, screaming down and he takes a bad angle. Neither of them gets to the ball and then there's just, you know, wide open space for one of the fastest guys in football. And that's not going to cut it against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So they have to play discipline. They have to play within the scheme. They have to know going into that game, like, what is their plan for stopping these guys or at least containing them somewhat so that the Cowboys actually have a chance of winning that shootout? Because I do think it'll be, you know, one of those high-scoring games. But even then, just like against the Seahawks, you're going to need a few stops here and there. Um, And and so they're going to need to play a really disciplined game, which has been a struggle for them the last few weeks. Hopefully that was just a case of playing a bunch of games real quick back-to-back um in, in such a short amount of time hopefully with this being more a more normal schedule from you know a Sunday to a Sunday that's that helps with their execution but it's gonna be tough and I'm I'm really curious just like I was curious to see what McCarthy does offensively in the snow I'm curious to see what Dan Queen schemes up for that one because it's that's gonna be a real challenging one
1: and that's why I really genuinely wish they played the Bills before the Dolphins because then I do think coming after Coming off that Buffalo Bills game, like, you talk about guys getting beat up in the cold weather. Like, if B1, you're talking it's going to be cold up in Buffalo. I mean, that's not really going to feel good going into the week where you know you're going to Miami. It is on Christmas Eve. Not that that really plays a factor into it too much. Luckily for them, it is a 425 kickoff. So, given daylight savings time and all the stuff given the year, it might not be as hot as it is usually with that sort of home field advantage they have at Hard Rock, where the opponents are just right in the heart of the sun and they're just cooking all day. Um, but when you look at Tua and how well he's played all year, we know how good of a year Dak has had. Of course, Tua's right there in sort of MVP contention. When you look at big-time throw rate, according to PFF, Dak has 29 throws uh, of big-time throws, and Tua's right there at 27 But the number that stands out and how different they are is that Tua has 10 touchdowns and a turnover-worthy play percentage of 3.1. Dak is at one turnover-worthy plays. Tua is at 14. So he will turn the ball over. He will make mistakes like it happened on the Black Friday game where he threw the pick six. So in your mind, is that the only way the Cowboys can kind of stop this offense is if Tua makes a little bit more mistakes?
4: Yeah, and I think that's also a product of, of the Cowboys pass rush. I mean, I'll speak on it again. I mean, just talking about keeping Josh Allen, you know, you know, in the pocket and force him to make bad plays, Tua's known to it. You just the point you just made some great points and you threw some great numbers out where, you know, Tua has he, he has that uh that turnover bug in him. And I think if the Cowboys pass rush can get there, put a lot of pressure on him, you know, I think that's what's going to help. And and the other part of it too is not only for for uh, you know Tua to make mistakes, but you ha- that pass rush is going to have to get in his face quickly because Tyree Kill is just a he's a you know he he's a road runner. He, like he just he's outruns everybody in the league. I mean, I, and and here's the thing, ter- Duron Bland, for example, like I know you know he he doesn't you know he may not always look like he's Fast, But he's pretty fast. He runs a 4-4. Four, four. I know he's not Tyreek Hill 4-2-40 fast, but You know, Derron Bland, once he opens up his hips and he's going, if it's a deep throw, he can hang with just about anybody, including, I think he's still hanging with Tyreek Hill. I I feel like he can. You know, he he did some, I believe he did some track in high school. So he's, you know, Derron Bland's a hell of an athlete anyways. So I think with him, I think once he gets moving and he's got his hips, you know, going the right way, you know, I think he can, I think he can open up his hips and he could stick, he could stick uh, well enough where Tua's going to have to make a perfect pass. I think Tyreek will, you know, obviously get a step on him, but that's going to require Tua, you know, to have a, you know a perfect pass or as we all have seen bland's going to make an interception now you know speaking of the hips you know obviously we know to his history with his with his hip and everything and a lot of people don't know this and a lot of people forget that he back when he was at alabama he was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country according to uh, the 247 sports so you know he you know he was a dual threat before his hip injury and i know the stats will tell you on the air you know he hit, he's he's rushed the ball like, let's see He's got 27 carries for 40 yards. I know that doesn't blow anybody's mind, but you can't forget that he, you know, he still has a little bit in the tank where he can burn you. I mean, he's still, you know, and believe it or not, he ran the same 40 time as Josh Allen back, you know, back uh, according to, uh, you know, when when he was at Alabama. He was running, he was running four 740. So he was right in the same range as Josh Allen. So obviously the hip has done some damage. You know, obviously the, the hip injury when he was at Alabama has lacked, you know, he, he lacks that, that, uh, that athleticism in that direction. But I still wouldn't I wouldn't count him out as somebody who who can't go down and get some yards when he needs it. He's not going to do what Josh Allen does. Obviously, Josh Allen's kind of a unicorn in that area. But you know that's that's the key. And the, and the other problem is you still you mentioned it, Jalen Waddle. Like if you're covering, if you're you know if, if Deron Bland's locking down you know Tyreek Hill. I don't I don't feel comfortable with Stefan Gilmore staying, you know, staying in his hip pocket, you know, Jalen Waddle's hip pocket. So it's gonna, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be tough. I think the safeties will need to make some better plays, and they're gonna they're gonna have to play some better coverage because as we saw in that DK Metcalf, you know, that long touchdown that you alluded to from this past week, like they they gotta stop, you know, they gotta stay I feel like they're going to have to, you know, play, play deep a little bit more and, and give these cornerbacks a little bit of help over the top because, you know, Tua is going to throw some passes. And, 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 you know, if we don't have that coverage, we're going to get beat, uh, beat pretty soundly. But, you know, I, I think if the Cowboys pass rush can really, you know, hold their own and get in there quickly, I think that does help. I do think it's the first team to 31. I think the first team that hits over 30 points, you know, it could be even 40. I mean, that's going to be a shootout. I think the first team over 31 is going to be the winner. I think that's just where it's going to be. I think the Cowboys offense has shown that they can they can hang with anybody. I mean, look what they did this past week against the Seahawks. So the Cowboys, it's I don't I think the defense is going to have to do just enough, but I feel like on just about every possession the Cowboys are going to have to get some sort of points, ideally touchdowns, but I feel like they're going to have to get at least three from Brandon Aubrey, every chance they get, because I, I feel like the dolphins offense is so prolific that I I feel like they're going to score a lot of points when, when they play each other.
1: Chris, we know that Mike McDaniel is a product of the Kyle Shanahan system. So when it comes to defending, maybe the Cowboys use a a similar game plan like they did to defend the 49ers. Um, But I, I want to ask you just simply The running backs for the Dolphins, Devon HN, he has 338 yards, um, I believe, on the season. um, Or it might be after contact. Uh, Bajon Robinson only has 477. He's played in 13 games. Devon HN's only played in six. So it's like they're right neck and neck, almost 100 yards, something like that, separating them in half the games. Um, And then, of course, you have Raheem Mostert, who is, I think, let me see here, third in the NFL among running backs with 43 missed tackles forced so I mean these guys just when they get in the open field they're super elusive when I look at the Cowboys and what they've struggled with a little bit maybe this sort of zone scheme the linebackers on the move maybe not hitting the hole the right hole making the right read does that freak you out like could you see an instance where Devon Achan's going for 150 yards most it's 150 yards and then we're not even talking about Tyree kill because the run game is what killed the Cowboys in this game
2: yeah, yeah, it freaks me out a ton, and um, honestly, I think that that's what makes the Dolphins so dangerous is the fact that they aren't just a, uh, is that they're not just a one-dimensional offense. It's not just Tyreek Hill that's burning you in the pa- in the receiving game. It's not just um, Jalen Waddle to be scared of, you know, because then if that was the case, then it would be a lot easier to um, defend them. But if you focus too much on them, then um uh, you're letting Raheem um, Mostert in, and um you're letting a Chain. You know, um, get up to that second level. And then once they reach that second level, it's over. And um, I just want to go back as well. Um, We were talking about how we wish that we maybe had some younger safeties, you know, like in a situation like this. You know, I think that Yanway Thomas. You know, I think that he's a guy who should be getting some more opportunities. I think, especially with the way that the safety room has been playing this year, I feel like the safety room has been kind of a letdown this season. You know, like you know, like the past couple of seasons, you know, um, they had been viewed as that like three headed like Hydra, that three headed monster, and I feel like that's kind of gone away a little bit this year. So I would like to maybe see some more reps for him. You know, like bring some youth. You know, bring some, bring some more athleticism, and um, yeah. But um, uh, too, I'm gonna go back to the um, question about the running game. Yeah, I think that that's a very concerning thing especially cuz the Cowboys do I think struggle against the run a little bit more than um than um they do against the pass. Um, I know that they um gave up a lot of passing yards this past game, but I mean, like if you look at the whole season as a whole, like our coverage has been really, really good throughout the year, but the um the um run defense has had its weak moments. and um and the Cowboys really aren't gonna play a, a running back room that's fast and as elusive as that running back room in Miami. So it's gonna be a challenge. um, it really could just be an offensive, you know, slug fest going back and forth. So it's gonna be really about um um not turning the ball over. It's gonna be about, um, uh, um. not committing turnovers and winning that turnover battle. And I think that the way to do that is to get a lot of pressure on Tua and force him to make mistakes and, and, and to limit the mistakes from Dak Prescott.
1: All right, Hellman. Uh, last but not least, we're finishing up with the Detroit Lions here. I think each game kind of sets it, the next one up, like when you go from the Eagles, a very physical team, going to play the Buffalo Bills in a very physical atmosphere which then you go to the Dolphins, play a very strong run team, and then now they'd have to go and play the Detroit Lions, who have a really dynamic duo on their own with Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. But they also have the NFL's top tight end, in your opinion, and Sam Laporta. So uh, let's start with the good and then go to the bad uh, for the Detroit Lions.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, um, anybody who really uh, follows me too closely or is – Even worse, actually knows me in person, knows that the Lions are my second favorite team. Um, And a lot of that has to do with Dan Campbell, the head coach, when he was hired. I I said, I'm going to, against my better judgment, I'm going to follow the Lions. I'm going to pull for them because I love Dan Campbell, former Cowboys player, um, really loved his coaching story. And he's done a really good job of turning this team around. And a lot of it has been built around their their physicality in the trenches. They have a bunch of weapons on offense, but the identity of, of their offense is their offensive line, which is ultimately the thing that's best for them. That's going to be a challenge for when the Cowboys do face them. Um, they they have quite a few first rounders on there. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, looking at some of their some of their statistics, they're second in the league in adjusted line yards, which is an advanced statistic to kind of uh, break. The running game, um, break apart what of the running game is responsible from the offensive line, and they're blocking. The number two in adjusted line yards, only behind the Miami Dolphins. Um, they're all, they're also fifth in adjusted sack rate. They don't really let a whole lot of pressure get to Jared Goff, their quarterback. They do a good job of giving him time. Um, and, and they also are just – they're a pretty run-heavy team. They have, as you mentioned, rookie Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, who's just a battering ram of a running back. Um, And then they've got really good pieces in the past game. Sam Laporta has been phenomenal as a tight end in his rookie year. Um, Who would have thunk that? Like, absolutely nobody could have possibly predicted that he would do this well as a rookie, um, except for maybe me. Um, But uh, they also have a guy in Jamison Williams who was a rookie last year. He hasn't played a whole lot yet. He's had some suspension issues. He's had some injury issues. But he's starting to hit his stride, and he's another one of those guys, kind of like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, where he he had a, a touchdown run in this past game, where it was kind of a, a trick play end around, and you saw his burst, and he's just looked like he was shot out of a cannon. So they have the physical guys, they have the the just absolutely bully you kind of guys um, to win in the trenches, and then they also have the burners, so that once you've kind of gotten beat up a little bit, then they bring those guys in and they just go right past you and you have no chance. And And they've done a really good job of combining all of that, and it starts up front. And that's been a challenge for the Cowboys when they faced some of the better offensive lines like San Francisco, like Philadelphia. Um, not that the defensive line, you know, isn't good, but they do have some weaknesses that can be attacked, especially in the run game. And that's going to be a real challenge for them is, is stopping this Lions rushing attack. Um, on the other hand, one of the things that I think is, kind of has been not necessarily uh, all all out bad for the Lions, but definitely one of their weak points is their quarterback, Jared Goff. Mm. For much of the year, he's been playing well, and he was actually kind of rising up the MVP uh, odds with a lot of sports books. and And then the last couple weeks, he's, you know he's played more like the Jared Goff that got traded away from the Rams a few years ago. Um, he's, he's been careless with the ball. He's had six turnovers in the last three games. Um, hasn't been attacking downfield. He's been holding on to the ball way too long and taking a lot of sacks that really aren't on the offensive line, but it's just, you know, he's holding the ball so long and not getting it out. Um, and, and that's kind of been a recurring thing with Goff throughout his career, um, both in LA with the Rams and then in Detroit since coming to the Lions is, if the pitcher can get to him, they can throw off his timing. They can kind of uh sometimes it seems like they can get in his head and then he'll start making mistakes. And and last year when the Cowboys played the Lions in, in Dallas, that was another situation where um, you know, early on he started getting hit. Then he starts throwing interceptions, he starts fumbling when they sack him, and that turned into a route a big win for the Cowboys. And for the most part, the Lions have done a good job of protecting him, keeping him upright, but that's kind of the, that when they've gotten into trouble this year, and they've had a few games recently where they've gotten into trouble against opponents that they should have won by a much larger margin, it's been because they get in Goff's face and they're able to kind of uh, take away that passing component of this offense. Even when they try to just get back on schedule with the run game, it's like, you know, eventually you have to pass it. And if Goff isn't completely locked in, then that's going to make it really difficult for them going forward. But again, it's it's easier said than done to do that because he's been better than, than he hasn't been this year. It's just recently he's been trending in the wrong direction.
1: Um, that's interesting that you mentioned Jared Goff as the one thing that might be bad about the team currently. Because I do agree, I think that there has been a problem with him turning the ball over. Um, when you look at the game against the Saints, there were a couple instances where the ball should have been intercepted, but it just wasn't just because the receiver made a good catch. A lot of inherent passes. Um, Jared Goff is a very familiar opponent for the Cowboys, too. Um, somebody that they that he's faced often. Uh, I think a regular season record of 2-2, two and two, and then, of course, the one um, game in the playoffs where they won 30-22. to 22. And I think that's the recipe for success, Chris, for Goff is – you know when they have a dominant running game you kind of limit the mistakes you limit the opportunities for mistakes and then maybe golf can kind of play within the offense a little bit more kind of get in a rhythm um but do you see that as sort of like the one opportunity similar what we just talked about with the dolphins where if you get pressure on this quarterback they can make mistakes similar to what we talked about with Josh Allen and honestly, even uh, Jalen hurts too. I mean, it's kind of cliche to say you put pressure on a quarterback. They're bound to make mistakes, but there are some who thrive under pressure. Um, but golf doesn't seem that like that type of guy. And especially with his lack of mobility, he's sort of one of those traditional pocket passers that you don't really see anymore. So you think that's a very similar solution to what we've talked about already?
2: I would say that that's a pretty similar solution. I think that, Jared Goff can be a great system quarterback. I think that, you know, if he has a great running game, if he has good pieces around him, if if, if everything is going well, I think Jared Goff is a capable quarterback. But I think Jared Goff starts making those mistakes whenever he's forced to make deep throws, and when he's forced to really elevate the offense around him, so I think I think it's going to be really important to get pressure on him and just to make him uncomfortable. Send different packages at him, you know, like um, just um change up the formation, change up the scheme a little bit, and just make him uncomfortable. I don't want to be a predictable defense in that game. I want to, you know, you know, send Micah. You know, um, I think Dan Quinn does a great job of. Putting Micah at different places on the defense, and um, and, and I'm having him send pressure off the edge, having him send pressure up the middle, and I think that that's going to be really key. I just want Jared Goff to be as uncomfortable as possible because I think that's going to be a game as well where like where like one turnover could be a big difference in that game, mm-hmm. and I think that the best way to do that is to get as much pressure as you can on Jared Goff.
1: B one. Last year, Howman mentioned that the Cowboys played the Lions. Of course, they ended up winning. But when you're looking at the offensive line and the sort of the run style that they want, They had 50, uh, Jamal Williams had 15 carries for 79 yards, a long run of 20 yards, not really the same player as someone like a David Montgomery. And of course, a Jameer Gibbs more elusive, uh, you know, with, with Gibbs on his side. Um, But then also one player that I've always enjoyed watching play, I think also severely underrated is Amon Ross St. Brown. He got knocked out of the game last year, I think with an injury with a concussion. So he never got to play the entire game. And they didn't really have any weapons outside of him. Now, you know, we we talked about Sam Laporta. We talked about Jamison Williams. To me, he's the the one player that kind of has this offense go. And if he's in a rhythm, can go over a hundred yards and maybe two touchdowns. And then you're kind of just really trying to play catch up at that point. So, is that another player that kind of scares you a little bit?
4: Yeah, M- Montgomery for sure. I mean, he's he's one of those dudes where you know he you know he had a decent career with the Bears. He's a you know he's a very much a powerful back. You know, the whole thing with Jameer Gibbs, like. You know when they drafted him as early as they did, like a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, what are they? What are they drafting this guy for?" Like the only guy in the you know that should have been drafted in the first round was Bijan, and they 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 got him, I believe, in the top fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, off, offhand. And you know the and then Montgomery comes into the party, and you know and I'm like, oh man, he's like for for a short time, I'm like really, I was like, this is frustrating as a J- Jameer Gibbs fantasy football owner because like I'm like, all right, he's the most you know he's one of the most electric players on the field. But David Montgomery is he's doing everything he's supposed to do to fend off Jameer Gibbs and he's keeping you know he's keeping the ball and the chain moving. Like and believe it or not, he's running for four point seven yards a carry. So like you know, at first I'm like, okay, Montgomery's just he's not as flashy as a Jameer Gibbs, but Montgomery is one of those dudes where he's always going forward, he's always making plays. I know he's had some injury issues this year. He's, he's been limited. You know he's he's played nine games this year. So he's been you know he's had a, he's been nicked up. That's part of what he's been his entire career. You know in the NFL. So he's you know he's a he's one of those dudes where his style his style just makes me nervous because you know as much as I lo- I love Marquise Bell and and what he brings to the table, he's a small and we talk about the word small. You know as you know with Deuce Vaughn, Marquise Bell is a small you know considered linebacker. And a guy as big and as powerful as Montgomery, that could that could pose some problems, you know. You know when they when they play each other, you know down the line here. Jameer Gibbs, you know that's the other part of it too. Like this one-two punch is really good. I fe- I feel like they found this right system. I think Dan Campbell's doing a heck of a job. Got to give a shout out to the uh, Texas A&M alum and. Uh, Thank you to Texas A&M for uh, letting us uh, take Elijah Robinson to Syracuse as a defensive coordinator. Had to get the Syracuse plug in there, of course. But, you know, with, with, with Dan Campbell, he's doing a heck of a job, you know, with with his team. And, you know, he's got it down right. He's got Montgomery as his his thunder, and he's got Jameer Gibbs as his lightning. I think more teams need to be running the ball like this because I feel like, you know, it's, it's, and we've talked about this before. The running game is not just gonna be one Balco anymore. You gotta have you gotta have a couple guys in there that can, you know, to do different things. I mean, you gotta keep other guys fresh. We've seen with Bijan Robinson. I mean, Tyler Algiers had a halfway decent season. So it's like having these one two punches. So I, I think the run game, you know, with Montgomery and Gibbs is good for Goff, like you guys mentioned, because Goff has that, you know, he has a tendency to turn the ball over. He has great moments where where Hallman, I believe, said you know MVP you know type of caliber season, and then he has these stretches where he's just like, oh, that's the guy that got traded for Matt Stafford. Like so, he's he's one of those dudes where it's just that's how it's you know he's had a very up and down career. But I mean, if, in into Chris's point, he's a good system quarterback. So if you keep him in the system, you make him have you know make him make him hand the ball off more to those running backs. Find Saint Brown. Find Sam Laporta. Uh, you know Holman's Holman's boy Laporta. They're going to be, they're tough. They're a tough team. They're, you know, their defense, their defense plays tough as well. You know, I, I, you know, and that, you know, you can't overlook them. You know, they're, they're, they're a quality unit. So I think that Detroit lions game, you know, I, I still think that's going to be the game. And I think I said it on last week or, you know, previous ep- one of the previous episodes, I do feel like that's the, that's the game where the Cowboys are just, they're going to fire on all cylinders and they're just going to, they're just going to punch them in the mouth. And I think that's going to be a blowout. I still think that.
1: So that's it. That That's the preview for the next month. I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, this is the gauntlet. This is the stretch of the schedule where the Cowboys, not, they don't have to prove anything to anybody on the outside. They certainly don't have to do that. But I think a lot of them are going to, a lot of people on the outside are going to look at the Cowboys and what they do over the stretch and see where they really stack up in contention uh not only with the playoffs but of course with Dak with his MVP campaign of course depending on where you look he's in the top one top two top three uh for right now in betting odds so clearly there's a lot of hype around that so I think these next few games are going to mean a lot maybe the team rallies around that um and maybe Dak has his best you know, December stretch of his entire career, and you know, you're talking about the number one seed. So We're going to leave the Philadelphia Eagles talk for all the other podcasts that are going to be coming out on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, so you'll know, feel free to check out all that content and all the great content on bloggingtheboys.com. I know the McCarthy Chronicles came up a little early there, Hammond. Uh, I was happy to see it, and you gave some high praise to Mike McCarthy and the Seattle uh, performance that they were able to do, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, in a game like that where it's one of those shootouts and you go and you drop a 40 burger, which we're used to seeing the Cowboys do, but this was the first time this year where they actually like had to drop a 40 burger and they did it. So Mike McCarthy deserves some credit. Dak Prescott deserves a lot of credit and he's getting it. It's about time. So I, I was happy to be the one to give him his flowers.
1: Love it. So then you can follow all of us on Twitter, on X, whatever you guys want to call it for the holiday season. It's completely up to you. No judgment here on our end. So for Chris Hauling, David Halman and Brandon Clements. I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you so much for tuning into the latest episode of the writer's block podcast. And always remember go Cowboys.